Welcome to Hauser Community Church Online. Let's join Pastor as the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and unpacks the Word of God for us. After the message, we'll tell you how to contact us. Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life. You're the king over all things. You are all-powerful and all-knowing. You, Lord, are good and gracious. And we praise you, Jesus, as, as our king and as our ruler over all. We thank you for being with us, Lord, and, and for guiding us by your spirit. And Lord, we ask that you would forgive us of our sin. I lies the most, Lord, and we don't worship you as we should, and we don't love our neighbor as you in righteousness. You make us look like you. We thank you for that, Lord, and we also want to lift before you the sick in our congregation, <clears throat> those who are in pain, those who are dealing with emotional turmoil. We ask that you would bring healing, Lord. We ask that you would ease burden or are able to gather again with the saints, and we thank you for successful surgeries, Lord, and you are, you are a God of healing. Ultimately, you're, you will eradicate all sickness and death. And, and students from other nations, and just open up opportunities for them to share the gospel. Community Church, just south of Coos Bay, Lord. And I just thank you that we have so many churches in the area that we can, we thank you for their, for their ministry. We bring before you also our children this morning, move us into a deeper faith. And we ask that you would empower your people by your spirit. The Acts, or as we all like to call it, Luke Part 2. We just can't let it go. Good morning, church. I'm not sure if any of you have really sat and thought about movie trailers uh, at any length or for any reason. I have, uh, because my wife just loves movie trailers. Trailer can make you emotional, it can make you laugh, it, it can make you concerned for this person that you don't even know, and you know the story's not even real, but for some reason I'm attached to them immediately. It can make you scared, but it, it also creates in you this longing and this desire to watch the movie. That's just good marketing, um, but it it's also just shows that we want and love story. We like to see we like to see it, we like to see uh, how it unfolds, and we'd like to have it. Uh, the body of Christ among us gives us glimpses of the kingdom of God. You sing in here every Sunday morning. And not only do we get glimpses of the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God expands through the miraculous and through the mundane. Our actions as the church through the Holy Spirit, echo eternity to a lost and dying world. So we'll begin by looking at the glimpses of the kingdom of God. And why do we only get in creation? We saw the king was identified. He's the creator of all things. We see that the place of the kingdom is identified in this perfect uh, garden that he places humanity in. He plants it himself. He, he makes it successful. 
puts man and woman there. The people are identified. Adam and Eve are the people of the kingdom. They're meant to expand the garden to the ends of the earth so that all would be in the kingdom. The creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So instead of ruling, humanity becomes the ruled ones by the things that they were created to rule over. But not only minds of the unbeliever to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And, and as we build onto that picture, we see not only uh, are we blind, but Paul says, no, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. We, we could not see the kingdom anymore. We could not see the glory of God. We could not see the light of the gospel. What we once saw in full color and created to see perfectly was only now shadows, a flickering light. But even though we were blinded by sin, by God's grace, we still get these glimpses of the kingdom of God. Things like the beauty of nature. We see glimpses of God's perfect and beautiful kingdom that's coming. We see glimpses of the kingdom in love where humanity's love for one another reveals God's heart of love. And even though it's corrupted by lust or selfishness or pride, we still get these glimpses of good, the kingdom. We see glimpses of the tastes of the kingdom of God in food. You know how much I like food. For a moment, when you get that perfect balance of flavor, you, you're shown God's love penetrates even nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in things that have been made. So they are without excuse. We're without excuse to see that God does love, that he is showing us glimpses. But these were meant to create a longing for what there's something more. This can't be it. There, there has to be more. Meant to create this understanding that things are broken. Even though this is good, there's something by the power of the Holy Spirit. These glimpses of the kingdom of God, they look in verse 32. Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose uh, it wasn't to increase the size of his ministry. It was to show this man and to show those around this man in Lydda that Jesus is the Messiah. And not only did he die, but he was raised from the dead. And his for Peter to say, Jesus, the Messiah, heals you, was proof that the promised Messiah had come. These miracles would have transported their minds back to, to, to passages like Isaiah 35. The ears of the deaf unstopped, and, the sh and then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. 
You see, they would have known that. They would have said, this, is, this has already been prophesied. They, they knew that when the Messiah comes, these are the things that we are going to see. And we're, he's, Peter's saying, look, it's, it's happening. That he's doing these things. We also get the healing. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died. And, and when they washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near to Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men with them. But Peter put them all outside. He knelt down and he prayed and he turned to the body and said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes and she saw Peter and she sat up. I say to you, arise. I don't think it's a mistake that Luke is saying this woman's name, Dorcas, is also Tabitha in linking those two stories together. This is what Jesus did. He raised the dead. We see in Luke 7, 14, he came up and he touched the bearer, and the bearer stood still. They were carrying this young man out to be buried, and he says, young man, I say to you, arise. He did. We see the resurrection of the dead. We see when John the Baptist is in prison and he is asking, is this the man that is to come? Is this the Messiah? He said to them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up him, unbind him, and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, had, who had come with Mary had seen what he did and believed in him. And the result in this passage from Peter is many believed in the Lord. That hope. When Jesus sends out the 72 disciples, he tells them, remind people of what is really happening. Heal the sick, he says, in it, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So as you're healing, you're showing the kingdom of God is near. You see, this physical healing was not an end in itself. It wasn't even the point. It was an announcement of what was coming you see this in the healing of Tabitha, where we're getting glimpses of the kingdom where there is no more death. Where we see when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on imperishable, then we would fill this sanctuary up. If we could just do this, people will follow Jesus. Why don't we do this anymore? First off, that's not a true statement. Just think of how many people Jesus, that saw Jesus heal and rejected him. They didn't come to faith in him as savior. They didn't believe he was the Messiah. Look at Judas. Look at the Pharisees. Look at the crowds around Jesus. Many turned from him. The gospel church is the power of God for salvation. Second, that's not the point of this passage. The point of the passage is not that healing could happen. It's that it did happen as promised through the one Jesus promised it would happen through. In Luke 9, he called the 12 together. Peter was there. He gave them power and authority. Passages. 
and we take what is descriptive in the text. This is what happened, and we make it prescriptive. We have to do this as a church. But Paul warns us. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually you're members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles and second prophets and third teachers and then miracles and the gifts of healing and helping administration, various kinds of tongues. But then he asks the question, are all apostles? The implied answer to all these questions is no. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a more excellent way. And then he says, love people. Tell them of Jesus Christ. The point here in Acts is that these miracles were proofs that Jesus was the Messiah, the resurrected Messiah. The people, the Jewish people needed to see the fulfillment of the Old Testament so that they could see that he is the Messiah. They were acknowledging Peter as an apostle. They were, they were proclaiming the power of the Holy Spirit. These miracles were an answer to the question that we saw from John the Baptist. Are you the one who is to come? And the answer is a resounding yes. Jesus is the one. Thirdly, we need to figure out what are we identifying as miraculous? Is our scope too narrow? Is it only in what we see in this one passage of healing the lame or raising the dead? Do you not see salvation as miraculous? It is the most miraculous thing that can happen. It makes a spiritually, eternally dead heart alive to Jesus Christ. This is the point Jesus is making. He said to the 72, when they return, they've healed these people, they cast out demons, they say, Lord, even demons were subject to us in your name. And he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He's rejoicing with them. The spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He says, that this is much more miraculous that you get the gospel than you see healing. If you've ever been addicted to anything and have found deliverance from that, you know that is miraculous. What about healing from anxiety, healing from depression, from abuse, anger, lust, hate, selfishness, pride, unselfishness, or unforgiveness? Yeah, we don't want to be healed from unselfishness, right? Are you praying with faith that the miraculous actually could happen? That people could be healed, that, that addictions can actually be broken, that the lost will be turned to Jesus. That should be the most miraculous thing we're praying for. The lost will be turned to Jesus. That darkness around us would fade and we would shine forth the light of Jesus Christ. Are you living by faith that God can actually do the miraculous? So you're praying that he'll do the miraculous and then walking in faith that he can do the miraculous. That you sit and pray with the sick to be healed. Do you read the word over the attic struggling with that sin that, that they can be delivered? 
Are you discipling someone who's struggling with anxiety and depression with the hope that they will be delivered? But I know if you pray for the deliverance of sin for your brothers and sisters, you will see an answer to that prayer. And I don't know that a lame man walking your wicked, sinful heart into a loving reflection of the king. Finally, I don't know of anyone who denies that the Lord can heal the lame or raise the dead if he desires. Glimpses of the kingdom through the mundane. Look at verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace, was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. We see peace instead of chaos here. Like when you're in peace, you're not like, this is a miracle. You just don't know until you're in chaos. And you're like, man, that was a miracle. You don't realize how growth of the church is miraculous until you don't have a church anymore. As people see these things in the church, peace, fear of the one true king, and comfort, and the church growing, unity that we're created for, worship of the true king, comfort in times of chaos. And when we're sitting here in perfect peace because we trust in the Lord, and no, I know we don't have perfect peace, but we do have times of perfect peace, right? Perfect peace that's established by the very mundane reading of the word and reading through the boring passages that is so hard to get through sometimes. But God is working in us his word. He's showing us his character. He's showing us how to live through trusting the word, through what we think is the mundane prayer of the word and Instead of us lashing out in anger and instead of us bad-mouthing and slandering, instead of us worrying and biting our fingernails, which is gross, um, I used to do it, so if you do it, don't feel judged, uh, you are reflecting the peace that people desire, the, the peace that they want, but they can't find it in the world. And then whenever they ask, what is uh, weak you are apart from him? We also get glimpses of the kingdom of God through the, again, through the proclamation of the word. I mean, how often have you thought, how could my words change someone's mind? I'm not eloquent. I'm not a good speaker. How could I do anything uh, to advance the kingdom with my stuttering self? Look at, just flip to, if you need to, uh, he spoke with the Ethiopian. So we see there are already saints in Lydda and the gospel, and let me tell you the gospel over and over, let me show you with my life. It also planted, when you tell your kid this for 15 years, I've been telling you this, and someone off the street or in a TikTok video tells them the exact same thing, and they're like, I get it. Here it is. And you're like, I've been saying that for 15 years. That is exactly the same thing. The, the light bulb goes off. We're just showing them 
we're teaching them, and then eventually when God wants to show them and open their heart to receive it, boom, he does it. We also see the kingdom of God through the mundane of working of pastoral care. Peter, verse 32, went here and there among them all. Seems like there's nothing going on there. He's going to those who are scattered from the persecution. He's going to those whom Philip has spoken to and they've received Christ and he's shepherding them. He's teaching them. He's showing them what it looks like to be a disciple. He's fulfilling the great commission. He didn't just make holy lives, reminding all of us, your kingdom of priests, you're a royal priesthood. He's building up the church. But there's nothing miraculous about that. There's nothing miraculous about what he's doing. But it's through those things that the Lord builds his church. He strengthens his people. He prepares us to make disciples who go and make disciples who go and make disciples. You might think, well, this is... So Tim Chester, uh, he wrote a book called Everyday Church. And he explains five very basic principles of how we pastor one another every day. First, he says, we pastor everyone or one another in everyday life. Something as mundane as grocery shopping together. Something as mundane as having a cup of coffee or eating a meal together and just speaking the gospel to one another. It just seems like there's nothing special to that, and that's something that we could all very easily do and encourage one another with the word of Jesus Christ. He says, you're pastoring one another. We also pastor one another in community, so all the parts of the body working together to help ensure that everyone's taken care of, no one is missed, that we are loving on the sick, we're taking meals to each other, You've sinned, I can't, I can't be around you now. No, we go and get them and say, return to Christ. We strive together. Fourth, we pastor one another with grace. This means that we have to teach each other and be patient. We have to disciple each other and admonish each other and bear one another's burdens, but we have to do so with patience and love and grace. And we do this pastoring one another with the gospel. We rehearse the gospel before one another in forgiveness. We rehearse the gospel. That's mundane, church. There's nothing fantastic, nothing miraculous. But when we do these things, we're giving each other glimpses of the kingdom. This is what the kingdom looks like. That Christ died for us, and we lay down our lives for one another. And we see the kingdom expand in our hearts there's something so mundane like having a cup of coffee and reading a verse together or praying through a situation together. And they're showing these tunics and garments that Dorcas made when she was with them. Those are mundane things. Being full of charity and good works. There's nothing fantastic about that. Until you realize I can't do that apart from Christ. I can't be full of charity and good. I'm selfish. She sewed garments and tunics. Now, for me to sew a garment would be miraculous. 
But I don't think it's a miracle for someone else to sew a garment. But this, that's how we're showing the kingdom. That's how she was showing the kingdom. She gave time, her time. She gave her money. She made clothing for people. She, she didn't raise the dead. She didn't give sight to the blind. She just blessed those who were around her. And you know what they were doing? She was doing, giving glimpses of the kingdom. And why, why does God call us to take care of the widow and the orphan and the hurting and the poor and the lonely? Because that's who we were, right? We were spiritually poor. We were spiritually incapable of doing anything. We were orphans. We were not a people, it says. But Jesus says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the water. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy milk and wine without money and without price. He says, come to me. You don't need to pay for it. I have done that. They were unclean. They dealt with dead bodies all day long. They were never clean. Love others. When we don't put restraints on God's love or his mercy or his grace, when we believe that the Lord can save anyone, no matter how unclean they are, we understand and we are displaying the kingdom of God who put on flesh and dwelled among sinners to save them. And when we live that way, loving the outcast and the unclean and the low and, and the, the prisoner and those who are outside our social circle and the, the attic, we're telling them of the mercy of Jesus Christ. That we're saying, my God did that for me. I hated him and he came and died for me. He shows us and we're showing them that the kingdom of God is not for the put together and the perfect, but for the broken and the poor and the needy and the sick and the outcast and the sinner. Jesus, the Pharisees say, why do you eat with sinners and tax collectors? And he said, they're the ones I came for. I came for the sick, not the healthy. But there's going to be a time when these glimpses become reality, when all is made new, wherever, um, this is their warning, at the end, <laughs> we're going to, if you want to talk about Jesus, knowing him, we want to we talk to you about him also. Church, you're, we can do that mostly through the mundane. May we be a people so filled with the spirit of God that the most mundane, everything day, that we do every day reveals the glory of God. Let's pray. Oh, Father, how wonderful you are. We thank you that you, you sent your son to die on the cross for us to make us new, to bring us into the kingdom, to, to make us a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood, to go and proclaim your excellencies. I pray for my brothers and sisters in here and myself, Lord, that we would do that, that everything we do, whether we eat or drink or sleep or whatever we do, it's, we're doing it for your glory. 
I pray that you make us a people who love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind and love our neighbors as ourselves. We want to display the kingdom, but we need your help to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us at Hauser Community Church Online. Check back next week for the next Unpacking of the Word of God. Please feel free to contact us with any questions you might have about the message or for pastor at area code 541-756-2591 or email us at pray at hauserchurch.org. Again, that's P-R-A-Y at H-A-U-S-E-R-C-H-U-R-C-H dot O-R-G. Our address is 69411 Wildwood Road, North Bend, Oregon, 97459. Remember, if you're seeking the truth, it will set you free. And that truth is Jesus Christ.